Hello, I'm Kelly Mundell, digital editor of IOSH magazine. Welcome to our podcast series, which will feature exclusive interviews with industry experts, behind the scenes discussions with members and conversations with future leaders of the health and safety profession. This episode features a discussion with lawyer Rianne Greaves on the impact the pandemic has had on the service our enforcement agencies are providing. So thanks for speaking to me today, Rianne. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thinking back to before the pandemic, which I know seems a long time ago now, um, can you give us some context of the level of service our agencies were providing at the time? Yeah, well, I think it's important to note, really, that in recent years, our regulators, particularly our health, safety and environmental regulators, have all had to adapt to having a lot less money to spend on what they're doing. So they've had to adapt their approaches to live within reduced means. Um, And what that's meant for businesses is that, for example, the health and safety executive became a largely reactive service, focusing very much on enforcement activity and that made them less available to support companies with proactive compliance advice for example. Um, On the other hand um, you have the environment agency um, which took a different approach and they decided that they would very much enforce by cooperation and discussion um, and we saw quite a large reduction in the number of prosecutions and formal enforcement actions that they were taking. So I think before the pandemic They had all found what worked for them um, and found their level. Um, But obviously things very much changed um, from spring of last year. That leads me nicely into my next question. So from your perspective, what happened to enforcement when the UK first went into lockdown last March? Well, I think what we saw was that the impact was seismic as it was for for all of us. I think we forget sometimes that regulators are people too. Um, and, you know, the HSC, the EA, the local authorities were as concerned for their own safety and their own staff safety as every other employer and every other organisation. Um, and so what we saw was obviously there was a, a, a much reduced workplace activity because many, many workplaces were locked down. Um, but we saw physical inspections cease almost completely, um, certainly anything proactive, because, of course, regulators themselves were trying to figure out, OK, what does this new virus mean? What do we need to do to protect ourselves, our own staff members from it? Um, and so we, we saw a virtual grinding to a halt, really, of regulatory activity, certainly for the first six to eight weeks or so. Um, after the onset of the pandemic and, and the first national lockdown. Yeah, and then, I've, I mean, I've spoken to quite a few people that work in the construction industry, for example, and they got back to work after, like you say, about six weeks. Um, and surely that's when we needed these agencies and the enforcement more than ever to ensure that the ones that were able to operate, i.e. construction sites, sites were COVID compliant. Yeah, I mean, I think construction is an interesting case in point, really, because I think the construction industry, um, to, to its credit, um, has figured its own way through this largely um, in the sense that the Construction Leadership Council um, has issued site operating procedures and has kept on top of them and has, you know, it's been really well publicised, I think, um, and they've been adapted as we have learnt more. So, for example, um, you'll remember back in early March, we were being told that 
uh, face coverings, for example, had absolutely no impact, which of course we now know wasn't right. But, if, you know, no criticism. We were learning at the time. But the construction leadership councils kept on top of that. Um, and I think the construction industry really found found a way through it themselves, much to their credit, and were able to keep working. In terms of the wider economy, I think we didn't really see much in the way of regulatory interaction with COVID as an issue until the first lockdown started to ease um, and we started to see that cautious reopening of the economy. And it was only then that we started to hear about this concept of COVID security, um, which you'll remember was filling mm. all of the government documents at the time in terms of how to uh, reopen your workplaces. Um, but it, I think it was the increase in activity which really highlighted the need for some regulatory input. Um, and that's when the HSE, I guess, stepped to the fore and we saw the HSE attending the, the daily press briefings and so on at Downing Street. And so what I think we saw um, when the economy started to reopen as well was that very many employees up and down the country were also quite frightened of returning to work. And effectively, the HSE was there as a comfort blanket. And I recall in one of the press briefings, Boris Johnson suggesting to employees that if they weren't happy with something in the workplace, or they were concerned about whether or not their workplace was COVID secure, effectively to, to get in touch with the HSE. And I think really that's when we started to see the regulators stepping to the fore as being mm. um, a, a, a direct um, a, a direct force, really, uh, to be reckoned with in terms of uh, how this is going to be managed. Yeah, I remember at the time I spoke to the HSE press office um, to find out how there were thousands and thousands of complaints coming in and, um, and they were being regularly reported. And they were picking up the phone at the time. This was obviously in the first lockdown and picking up the phone and checking up on um, the sites that were open and, like you mm. were saying, giving them advice trying to take that advisory role and I guess they did they especially I remember when Boris Johnson did uh, mention the health and safety executive in that Downing Street briefing um, and they were kind of forced to take on the primary role like you say mm. as key monitor COVID security yeah so what impact do you think this has had on the regulator like it, are there any positives among the negatives I think it's really difficult to see too many positives at the moment I think you know, if we look at how it's impacted the HSE, um, I mean, the workload is absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, there are thousands and thousands of complaints um, every week going into them that they've got to deal with. Um, and what that has meant is that a lot of pre-existing work for the HSE has been largely paused or has happened but in fits and starts since the, since the pandemic began. So the HSE is now way behind with casework and you have to feel for them because they are always criticised for the amount of time it takes them to get a case from the point where something has happened, an accident has happened through to a prosecution. Um, and obviously this is just compounded matters. Uh, I think on top of that, um, you know, we are all seeing in practice that there are matters which would routinely see enforcement action that are now going without that enforcement action um, and I think the fact that they haven't really been able to turn to their usual diet of work also financially impacts because um, they're not able to charge the fees for intervention which of course was their scheme to mm. recoup some of the, the the cost of enforcement so I think it is really it has been really really difficult for them 
Um, I think if anything positive could come out of it, I think a properly resourced regulator um, has to be a good thing. And I think it has highlighted perhaps for people mm. actually quite how difficult a challenge the HSE has had over the past decade or so in trying to resource things properly. Um, so, you know, to my mind, I think that that, that might be one thing. Um, and I think hopefully um, the HSE and organisations alike will be able to, you know, when, when we are getting back to something like normal, we'll be able to really um, tell people about the real importance of health and safety and hopefully change that culture of the idea of health and safety gone mad because this this mm. has given everybody a very real and very personal understanding of control measures, risk assessments, and how directly that impacts you. And sometimes that's missing in the workplace. And so I think hopefully that will be one of the positives that we can take forward. Absolutely. That's a really good point. Um, in the last week or two, um, there has been an increase in cases in workplaces, COVID cases in workplaces. Um, I think you mentioned that there was 3,000 complaints in the first 12 working days of January. Um, and the government mm. last week released a statement um, suggesting that they want to encourage local authorities to test key workers with these rapid flow tests. Um, I'm really interested in the legal perspective of this. Um, it's, can employers make testing mandatory? And will this make workplaces safer? I think it's, I think it would be difficult. Um, I would definitely defer to my employment law colleagues, but I think it would be difficult for employers to make the testing mandatory. And I think the next question down the line will be, a lot of employers will ask, can I require people to be vaccinated to come to work as well? And again, I think that's, that, that's very difficult for, for people to mm -hmm. do. Um, I think it will be a case of looking at what are the risks in your workplace and what are you doing in your workplace? So obviously the decision in terms of how you approach the discussion with employees about testing and vaccination if you are a care home is very, very different to if you are an accountancy firm, for example, um, because obviously the risk, uh, the risk profile is very, very different. So I think, um, you know, I, th I think that that's something to bear in mind. I mean, clearly that was a seemed to be a huge success story around the um, lateral flow testing in Liverpool, for example, before Christmas, um, and we saw that help to to drive the rates down. Um, but I think it's really really difficult to say at the moment what what impact that might have in the workplace, um, bearing in mind the infrastructure that needs to go around setting those those sorts of things up and the difficulties with doing that during during a lockdown. Um, I mean, to my mind, I think it was almost inevitable that there would be a rise in workplace um, infection rates after Christmas. Um, clearly, you know, over December, a lot of workplaces closed in any event. So I think we were bound to see some sort of rise when places did reopen for, for operations. Um, but I think also the, 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 the new strains, which um, are, are so much more transmissible, um, than the initial strain of the virus that we, we had become used to dealing with um, must have played a, a part in that. Um, I think the difficulty, again, for the HSE is trying to, uh, to to deal with that, really, in terms of the sheer numbers of complaints that they're getting. And I read um, the Observer article, I think it was the Observer that had done the research into the, the issue of workplace infection rates. Um, and they were quite critical of the fact that there had been, you know, no enforcement action and that 
you know, overall, I think they said 0.1% of complaints of HSE resulted in enforcement action. And I think what we see there is a change in the HSE's approach from, what, you know, the traditional approach we have become used to when dealing with what we would call routine health and safety matters. When it comes to COVID, they are becoming proactive. They are having to inspect proactively. They're having to make these phone calls um, to, to businesses to find out how they're dealing with things. But in doing so, they are really urging businesses to do the right thing. And again, mm. you know, we talked about the press briefings, and that was one of the things that came over in the Downing Street press briefing was we want employers to try to do the right thing. We know that most people are trying very, very hard, and this is new for all of us. Um, and I think they are now taking, I guess, what I would call an environment agency approach, really, in trying to regulate by cooperation as opposed mm. to regulating because you know, there is a, an enforcement notice coming down the line. Yeah, it seems to me that they've returned to pre-FIFA intervention um, type style of enforcement um, where it's sort of advisory rather than, as you were yeah. saying, sort of enforcing. Yeah. How do you think regulatory interventions will look going forward? I mean, none of us know when we're going to be out of this, when things are going to get better and workplaces can begin to re reopen. But do you see sort of post-pandemic, if we even can even dare to say that, um, what these <laughs> interventions will look like? Do you think, you know, how, how has this changed? How will enforce health and safety in this country? I mean, I think there will be certain things that will, will stay the same now. I mean, I think we will see greater use of technology um, in regulatory interactions so you've already got um, regulators using drones to carry out site inspections in the absence of actually visiting themselves um, we've got a lot more telephone interaction a lot more email interaction rather than physical site attendances um, and I think that you know has has benefits and drawbacks um, I think for businesses they have to be aware of what these changes are and what they mean for their particular businesses uh, and organisations because I think um, there is perhaps um, a little bit of informality that comes into dealing with somebody over the telephone as opposed to dealing with somebody who's made an appointment and signed in and you meet them in reception at your site. Um, equally, there is a huge amount more, certainly in my experience looking at matters that my clients are dealing with, there's a huge amount more email traffic um, coming from regulators asking questions that they might otherwise have asked in person. Um, and of course, um, if you get a request by email, you then respond by email, you're then creating much more of a paper trail. Um, and so it's important to think as an organization about how you do that um, and you know, how you are dealing with, with with the regulator in that sense, because obviously everything that you write down and send off um, is then retained for future reference. So, the, yeah, I think that I think there will be changes that will will stay with us. Um, I mean, clearly, we are going to have to get back to a place where um, physical um, inspections can can be done. Um, we saw before Christmas that the HSE did do um, a proactive uh, inspection campaign in construction. Uh, of course, that's, that's really helpful. Obviously, it's also outside, um, which from a COVID perspective is much, much lower risk. 
Um, so it will be interesting to see how quickly they can get back to doing those kind of proactive inspections um, and those targeted campaigns in indoor settings. So, for example, indoor um, in manufacturing facilities, for example. Um, but I do think there will be will be changes to the way that they uh, they they deal with things going forward. It's a bit a bit like for all of us, you know, we will probably all work at home a little bit more. Uh, technology um, has advanced such that you know we will maybe travel a bit less. Um, and I think the mm-hmm. same will be will be said for the regulators. In terms of your clients, um, what would you say the most common query that you've received with regards to COVID? Um, a, a lot of clients have wanted help with COVID risk assessment um, in terms of just really, I mean, I have to say on the whole, um, you know, they've largely done a fantastic job and have thought of pretty much everything, but it's really been a bit of comfort in terms of um, are there additional factors that we we ought to, to think about? How do we go about um, you know talking talking to our people about about what we're doing? So COVID risk assessment um, have have been one of the the hot topics um, that, that we've had. Uh, also riddle reporting, which I think has tied everybody in riddles. So people have been really quite confused about when they need to report um, a case of covid in the workplace um that's that's been quite a challenge i think because i think it's um initially it looked like it, it might only be really for people in the care sector um but actually it, it's wider than that and i think that's been quite difficult for people to get to grips with and as i say coming down the line i think we will start to get the questions about um testing and vaccination and how that's going to impact on all of the the control measures that they've had in place um to this point Talking about down the line, do you see 2021 um, seeing a surge of COVID-19 litigation? Um, I, I mean, it's one for your employment lawyer colleagues in terms of negligence and unfair dismissal, et cetera, but in terms of how they handled the pandemic in terms of sort of violations. Um, from my perspective, I don't. Um, if I'm being perfectly honest, I think it is, Legally, it's quite difficult ground for the HSC um, as to whether or not um, COVID strictly comes within the Health and Safety at Work Act, and there are lots of arguments on either side. Um, but also, I think, uh, you know, as I said before, it, it's really, really difficult for the HSC um, to take enforcement action at the moment because they can see that employers are really really trying and it's you know the, the guidance is changing all the time um the government is you know the law is changing all the time um and you know i think that to a large extent i think the the hsc are very sympathetic for that and they're looking for for people to be doing the right thing as i said earlier so i don't see a large number of prosecutions or enforcement notices arising as a result of breaches of COVID security or apparent breaches of COVID security. Um, I think people will continue to have interactions with the HSD and with the local authorities about how they're managing things. Um, but in terms of formal enforcement action, no, I don't see that. I mean, we've seen already so many examples of outbreaks in workplaces um, and you know, there, there, hasn't been, there hasn't been any enforcement action at all as a result. And um, so I just I just don't I just don't think so. I think also the HSE will be very, very mindful 
of the situation in the court system at the moment. So obviously the court system was a huge, the criminal court system particularly, there was a huge backlog before mm-hmm. the pandemic. And that's clearly just been exacerbated by um, all of these lockdowns. Um, and in addition now, obviously, trying to run cases, particularly jury trials, whilst maintaining social distance is logistically very, very difficult, which means most court buildings are operating way under um, their usual capacities. Um, and so, you know, I think they'll be very, very mindful of that as well um, in terms of whether or not, you know, they're going to be forced to think about whether or not a case is sufficiently bad, shall we say, to be adding to yeah. that. Yeah. What is the golden piece of advice you'd give to listeners when dealing with regulators? It, that hasn't changed. That's <laughs> a result of COVID, I have to say. <laughs> um, I always say to the clients and to organisations I'm speaking to, you must always bear in mind that the regulator has the ability to take formal enforcement action against you up to in, and including a criminal prosecution. And so what that means is, yes, you cooperate with them, you do the right thing, but you do that in a cautious and considered way. Um, and yeah, I think that's really, really important. And that hasn't changed um, at all since since the, the pandemic. Um, you know, it's important to have a good relationship with your regulator and that's as important now as it's ever been. So I think from my perspective, so, you know, that's a fairly dull answer for anybody who's, who's heard me talk about these things previously. <laughs> but absolutely. I think it's, it's cautious cooperation. It's being aware of what their powers are and being aware that, you know, a criminal prosecution is possible if you haven't uh, complied with, with the legislation. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for talking to me, Rianne. That's been really interesting. Um, I really enjoyed our chat. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. See you next month for another conversation on all things health and safety.